Part 1, Chapter 11 of Recollections of the Revolution and the Empire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. 1789-1790, Visit to Switzerland. At the end of two weeks, I left for Paris, where I stayed with my aunt, Rouvenet, until the Hôtel de Choiseul, which had been set apart for the War Department, was ready. My father-in-law was temporarily quartered in a house which belonged, I think, to the Menu Plaisir, near the Louvre. Every day I went there to dine with him and to do the honours of his salon. My aunt had persuaded Monsieur Lally, over whom she exercised an absolute control, to abandon the National Assembly after the revolution of the 6th of October. She also forced him to leave France with Monsieur Mounier. They both retired to Switzerland. This was a very false move. It was to desert their post on the eve of battle. However this may be, she followed Monsieur Lally to Switzerland, and it was at this time that she persuaded him to marry his former mistress, Miss Halkett, niece of Lord Loughborough, who was then Lord Chancellor of England. It was only for the purpose of legitimatising the daughter whom he had had by this woman several years before that he decided to espouse her, for he had for her neither esteem nor love. But at the moment of leaving Lausanne to rejoin Miss Halkett at Turin, he was taken ill with a terrible attack of smallpox of which he nearly died. The marriage was therefore adjourned and did not take place until the following year. At the beginning of winter, we went to take up our quarters at the Hôtel de Choiseul. It was a superb mansion in which I had a charming apartment entirely distinct from that of my father-in-law, with which it was connected, however, by a door into one of the salons. A fine separate staircase led to my quarters, which were like a separate house with a view upon the gardens, which today are all built up. My husband, who was entrusted by his father with many important matters, was very much occupied. I saw him only at luncheon, which we took together, and at dinner. My father-in-law ceased to give large dinners when we were in Paris. The dinner hour was four o'clock. An hour after dinner, after having chatted in the salon with several persons who came for coffee, according to the custom at Versailles, my father-in-law returned to his cabinet. I then went back to my own apartment, whence I went out to take part in social functions. On arriving in Paris, the Queen had given up her theatre boxes. On this act of spite, which was natural but also very ill-advised, had still further turned the Parisians against her. This unfortunate princess had no tact or did not wish to employ it. She openly showed her dislike to those whose presence displeased her, and giving way in this manner to feelings of which she did not weigh the consequences, she injured the interests of the king. Although endowed with great courage, she had very little esprit, no address, and above all, a lack of confidence generally unwarranted with regard to those who are the most disposed to serve her. After the 6th of October, 
failing to appreciate that the terrible danger which had menaced her was the result of a plot woven by the Duc d'Orléans, she let her resentment fall upon all the inhabitants of Paris indiscriminately, and avoided every occasion to appear in public. I missed very much the privilege of using the Queen's boxes, and fearing the crowd, I was not present at any performances during the winter of 1789 and 1790. I often brought together eight or ten persons in my apartment for little suppers, in which my father-in-law did not take part, for he retired at an early hour and arose very early in the morning. It was during the first months of 1790 that the demagogues employed all their means to corrupt the army. Every day bad news was received, and my poor father-in-law was nearly overwhelmed with the labour caused by these reports. Many officers left France without leave, and this example of indiscipline, of which the other officers took advantage, encouraged the revolt. The 19th of May was born my eldest son, who was baptised in the parish of Saint-Estache, and received the name of Humbert. My aunt, Madame Denine, who had come from Switzerland, was the godmother, and my father-in-law was the godfather. At Paris, the court was still conducted in accordance with the customs of Versailles, with the exception of the mass which had been abandoned. Dinner was served as at Versailles. As soon as I was able to leave the house, I paid a visit to the Queen in full costume and was received by her with great kindness. In leaving for Switzerland, Madame Denin had resigned her position, and the question came up as to whether I should take her place in the Queen's service. The Queen, however, was not in favour of this, because there was already talk of appointing my husband minister to Holland, and as I would naturally accompany him, the Queen did not think it was worth while if my service was to be interrupted so soon. Besides, said she, who knows that I may not expose you to dangers like those of the 5th of October? I no longer recall the reasons which inspired the idea of having all the military corps of the state fraternize, as they called it then, by sending to Paris the oldest of each grade to be present at the 14th of July, the anniversary of the taking of the Bastille. The National Guards, which had been organized throughout the kingdom during the year, were to send deputations composed of the officers of the highest rank. The preparatory work for receiving them was begun at the end of June. The Champ de Mars, facing the Ecole Militaire, at this time presented the appearance of a well-leveled lawn, on which were held the exercises of the pupils of the school and the manoeuvres of the regiments of the Garde Française. At that time there was no garrison, either at Paris or in the environs. The Garde Française were the only body of troops in the city, and their number did not exceed, I think, 2,000 men at the most. They furnished a detachment at Versailles, which was changed every week. At Courbevoie there was quartered the regiment of Swiss Guards, which was never seen at Paris. 
the garde du corps were composed of four companies of which only one was in service at versailles the others occupied the neighbouring cities chartres beauvais and saint germain no other body of troops ever appeared either at versailles or at paris where the only uniforms you saw were those of the sergent recruteur for the different regiments my husband had been instructed by his father to look after all the deputations and to arrange for their board and lodging as well as their amusements for all the theatres had orders to reserve free places for the old soldiers and boxes for the officers a large number were lodged in the invalide and the ecole militaire the people of paris took part enthusiastically in the work undertaken at the champ de mars all was finished in two weeks finally on the evening of the thirteenth of july my sister-in-law who had just arrived at paris and myself went to take up our quarters at the ecole militaire in a little apartment looking out upon the champ de mars so as to be at hand the following morning my father-in-law had sent in a fine repast and provisions so as to offer a substantial dejeuner to the soldiers who might have the intention of coming to see us during the ceremony this precaution was all the more necessary because at the tuileries they had forgotten to bring anything for the king's children and the dauphin was very glad to share our collation the poor little prince wore the uniform of the national guard to which nearly every one at that time belonged in society all the men under fifty years of age had had their names inscribed and performed very faithfully their service Monsieur de Lafayette, who has been so much condemned, did not then think of a republic for France. Whatever may have been the ideas as to this kind of government that he brought back from America, he desired as much as any of us the establishment of a wise liberty and the abolition of abuses. But I am certain that he had not at that time the least idea or desire of overturning the throne, and that he never had such a thought. The unbounded hatred which the Queen had for him, and which she showed every time that she dared, nevertheless caused him as much chagrin as was possible in the case of a character which was soft even to foolishness. Yet Lafayette was not weak, as his conduct under the Empire has well proved. He resisted all the approaches, all the offers, and even the cajolery of Napoleon. The restoration showed itself very unjust towards him. The Duchesse d'Angoulême had inherited from her mother the hatred which the Queen bore him. But to return to the Federation of 1790. The altar had been erected in the Champ de Mars, and a mass was celebrated by the least respectable of the French priests. The Abbé de Perigord, since Prince Talleyrand had been designated as Bishop of Autun when Monsieur Marboeuf was transferred to the Diocese of Lyon. The King, however, justly offended by his ecclesiastical conduct, refused to confirm the appointment. In this refusal, the King showed a firmness very different from his ordinary character, but aroused on this occasion by his conscience. However, when the Comte de Talleyrand, father of the Abbé, 
was upon his deathbed and demanded as a last favour this appointment which the king had previously refused he no longer made any opposition and the abbe de perigord was appointed bishop of autun it was he who celebrated the mass of the federation of seventeen ninety no words can give an idea of this pageant the troops arranged in order in the middle of the arena the multitude of different uniforms mingled with those of the national guard brilliant from their newness all this constituted one of the most surprising spectacles which you could possibly see and which i enjoyed from the windows of the Ecole militaire where i was located in front of the middle balcony had been constructed a fine tribune highly decorated the unfortunate royal family this day comprised the king the queen their two children madame elizabeth the sister of the king and the comte and comtesse de provence as i was still very weak i did not descend to the royal tribune nevertheless i was near the queen when she passed and accustomed for a long time to the expression of her face i saw that she was making great efforts to conceal her ill-humour without succeeding well enough for either her own interests or for those of the king towards the end of july seventeen ninety my health was quite well re-established my aunt wished to return to lausanne and my husband knowing my desire to see switzerland gave me permission to make a trip of six weeks madame de valence was at this time at secheron near geneva with madame de montesson who passed the summer there it was arranged that i should join her and pass some time with her in the little house which was separate from that of my aunt i left my son with his nurse and marguerite at the hotel de la guerre as my maid could not accompany me i took with me only one servant i travelled by a little chaise de poste for caleche were not then known my aunt and i were furnished with all possible passports for the civil authorities as well as for the national guards and the military authorities an act of imprudence on the part of my aunt nearly cost us very dear the post where we were to change horses at dole was outside the city upon the route de besancon accordingly we passed through the city by a quiet street without any trouble arrived at the post my aunt inquired of the maitre de poste if this route led to geneva he replied that to take the route to geneva that of the russe it was necessary to recross the city in vain i suggested to my aunt that our passport stated that we were to leave france by pontalier she said that was of no importance and as soon as the horses were attached gave the order to turn back and recross the city to gain the route of russe under the pretext that she had given a rendezvous at geneva to Monsieur Lally. Accordingly, we re-entered the city. We were ignorant of the fact that it was necessary to pass through the market, which was being held upon a large square. Forced to go to walk in order to avoid the market baskets and the persons in the street, we were received with abuse. Suddenly a voice exclaimed, C'est la reine! At once we were stopped 
our horses were unhitched our courier was dragged from his horse and there were cries of a la lanterne they opened the door of the carriage and ordered us to descend which we did not without fear i stated that i was the daughter of the minister of war and demanded that they should take me to the commander of the place or send to look for him my aunt said that she had a letter from monsieur lafayette for the commander of the national guard there is his house cried someone and we saw two sentinels at a door over which floated a large tricoloured flag it was only a few steps away and my aunt and i entered the house where the crowd of people did not dare to follow us we went through an antechamber without finding anyone from there we entered a dining-room where there was a table laid out with seven or eight covers the guests had left precipitately and two or three overturned chairs testified to the haste with which they had disappeared my aunt refused to go farther but rang a bell which she had noticed in the hope that someone would appear as we'd had no dejeuner we sat down at the table and commenced to eat the dinner which had been abandoned an excellent meal satisfied our hunger while we laughed over the adventure and the cowardice of the chief of the national guard finally after waiting three hours there entered a grave personage a kind of fat bourgeois accompanied by two or three other men this individual addressed my aunt and demanded her name then pointing to me he said this young lady is your daughter she replied that i was the daughter-in-law of the minister of war that i knew that there was a regiment of cavalry in garrison at dole that i wished to speak to the commander who would arrange without doubt with the president of the commune that we should be set at liberty the person who had approached us stated that he himself was the president of the commune my aunt seeing that they wished to keep us prisoners suggested as a means of clearing the matter up that a servant should be sent as a courier to paris and demanded that while waiting his return we should be authorized to establish ourselves at an inn one of the members of the commune who accompanied the president promised to take us to his house this asylum seemed more certain than an inn where we might be insulted by the people upon our consenting he offered me his arm and leaving this inhospitable house where we had eaten our dinner without invitation we were conducted by our hosts to a mansion where we were lodged in rooms which although common were quite good here we were rejoined by the maid and our three servants we at once wrote to paris about our misadventure my aunt to monsieur de lafayette and i to my husband our host advised us not to attempt to go out and we resigned ourselves to remaining in this dismal lodging on the ground floor looking out on a very small garden with the sun hardly penetrated at midday the next morning two members of the commune came to interrogate us they asked a thousand questions and examined our papers and writing portfolios they demanded an account of everything we had in our chaise de poste and also why i had so many new shoes if i was only going to pass six weeks in switzerland as i had stated 
and hundreds of other similar absurdities which caused me to laugh in their faces. Finally the thought occurred to me to say to them that the officers of the city sent to Paris to the Federation, and who ought to be back with their regiment, having probably dined with my father-in-law, would recognise me. This idea appeared to them a brilliant one, and they went to look for the officers. Towards the end of our first day of seclusion there arrived the officers of the Royal Etranger, who offered me the services of their protection. I prayed the officers to conceal their dissatisfaction, but I could not prevent them from coming every day to call one after another. At the end of the fourth day, the members of the municipality made up their minds that they had made a foolish mistake in arresting us and gave us permission to set out. It required several hours to repack our carriages, and as we wished to stop for the night at Nyon, we resolved not to set out before the next morning at five o'clock. The next day, with many thanks to the officers for their politeness, we took the road for the Jura. Our triumph came that very evening. The President of the National Assembly wrote the Mayor, or President of the Commune, by a courier sent expressly a very strong reprimand on account of our arrest. Monsieur de Lafayette also sent a message to the commander of the National Guard. My father-in-law entrusted our safety to the lieutenant-colonel commanding the place. For our part, we were glad to escape by a prompt retreat from the honours which they wished to shower upon us to make up for our unjust attention. We arrived at Nyon at midnight, having passed the frontier without difficulty. My aunt did not find Monsieur Lally there. He was at Secheron, where it was arranged that we should go the next morning. The next day we arrived at Secheron, where we found Monsieur Lally and Monsieur Mounier. Here I received letters from my husband, who seemed to be disturbed by the revolt of several garrisons in Lorraine, in particular of that of Nancy. This news, however, did not arouse my anxiety. Monsieur Mounier persuaded my aunt to make a visit to Chamonix, and we set out the next day and did not return to Geneva before the end of five or six days. On our return to Secheron, I found a letter from my husband which had been forwarded to me from Lausanne, where he thought I was with my aunt. He announced his departure for Nancy to carry orders from the king to Monsieur de Bouillet. Their tenor was that he should unite several French and Swiss regiments and march on Nancy. At Rolleau, where we stopped to refresh our horses, we learned at the inn that Monsieur Plantemour of Geneva was there and that he was en route for Nancy. My aunt asked to speak to him in private. In a few minutes he entered the room where I was and I observed that he was very much troubled which increased my anxiety. He told me that there had been fighting at Nancy, but that details were lacking. We continued our route to Lausanne, and on arriving there, Monsieur Lally, who had preceded us, gave me several letters from my husband, written after his return to Paris. In these letters, he told me everything which had occurred at Nancy. As these details belong to the domain of history, I shall not relate them here.
while these events were happening at nancy i was at lausanne where i passed two weeks and enjoyed myself very much here i encountered a celebrated person mr gibbon whose grotesque face gave me such a desire to laugh that it was difficult to control myself there were also many emigres at lausanne as i did not enjoy myself in their society as soon as madame montesson was established at paqui near geneva i hastened to rejoin her and went to lodge with madame valence in a little house distinct from that of madame montesson the inn of secheron was then very popular many of the emigres whom i knew were settled there for the summer several young men after having accompanied the comte d'artois to turin already tied to piedmont had come to switzerland fortunately i remained only three or four weeks at geneva or rather paqui my husband came to join me and take me back to paris as he was in a hurry and wished to return by way of alsace in order to meet monsieur bouillet we left geneva at an early hour in the morning so as to have several hours to visit berne and Bâle. Monsieur Bouillet came to meet us between Hernang and Neuf-Brisac, and I waited patiently in the carriage while my husband talked with him in walking up and down the highway. After a morning devoted to Strasbourg, we passed the night at Saverne, and from there went to Nancy. From Nancy we made the trip to Paris without stopping. And upon my return, I found my dear boy in good health and looking well and handsome. End of part one, chapter eleven.